Welcome to the Abundant Grace Podcast, where we discuss the gospel, freedom in Christ, and victorious Christianity. My name is Emily Lewis, and I am so honored that you are here. Sometimes Christianity can feel complicated or become heavy. I'm here to lighten that load. I pray that the chats had on this broadcast will empower and encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Hi there, friend, and welcome to this week's episode of the Abundant Grace Podcast. Today's topic is about the biblical basis for loving yourself. Like, what does the Bible say about loving yourself? Because we've probably all heard verses and passages and messages that frown upon the idea of loving yourself. So, It's going to take some Bible, some untwisting that narrative to remind us that it is actually healthy and good to have that love for yourself. What you'll hear today is an excerpt from one of the Connect Chat and Pray calls on Tuesday morning. For anyone that missed it, I wanted you to be able to hear this and hope that it helps heal something in your heart and with your relationship with God and with yourself as well. I didn't include the really awesome conversation that we had following just the short teaching part that I did for the sake of maintaining just privacy and respect of those who were there and sharing what was on their heart and what God was speaking to them through it. So if you want to be part of the actual live conversation, we'd love to have you come to one of those calls. I will leave the information in the show notes, or you can always send me a DM on Instagram and be like, Hey, I want in on that. And I would be happy to get you the link for the call. Okay. So when it comes to loving ourselves, well, I think one of the narratives that we hear is that we're not even supposed to enjoy ourselves like we're not supposed to enjoy life the best life is the one where you've absolutely given up everything that could possibly be enjoyable so uh that's actually i learned this within the last year it's called asceticism and i'll read a little definition of what asceticism is but basically It is the belief or a lifestyle um, of abstinence from pleasure, uh, often for the purpose of pursuing spiritual goals. So as if pleasure and holiness and sanctification had to be um, like they couldn't exist at the same time, which I don't know. That's kind of a crazy belief that we have to give up all pleasure as if pleasure itself was sin or enjoying something was sin. And there's definitely a place and room for self-sacrifice. But the idea that we can't have um, enjoyment in the things that God created um, that definitely doesn't make us more holy just because we're miserable. 
<laughs> but there's there's an idea that if we're miserable, we're more holy. So we put up with a lot more quote unquote suffering than we have to in the name of like, well, this will just make me holy. When in all honesty, good things can sanctify us too. The mountaintops should sanctify us and draw us closer to God too. And honestly, I've been close to God in low times, but I've been close to God in in really good times too. And when we pit that against each other, I think we're doing ourselves a disservice to say like, oh yeah, when when things are good, we just reject God, which our tendency could be to reject um, our or neglect our need for God when things are just when we're coasting. But I don't, that's not always the case. Um, He draws us in through all sorts of means. So it's not, we don't have to pit the two against each other. Um, I forgot to write down this verse. It's in first Timothy. Anyway, the point is in first Timothy six, it talks about God supplying like richly for us that we could enjoy um, instruct here it is verse 17 instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth but on God who richly provides us all things to enjoy like he actually intended us for to enjoy them so it's not that um, suffering and self-denial are actually like in and of themselves holy. Then the other one, and feel free to give feedback or your opinion too, but I don't think loving ourselves comes naturally. And there's a narrative that it's like so natural to put ourselves first and be, mm-hmm. um, and loving ourselves. I do think we are naturally self-centered we naturally tend to be the the center of our own like world and act like, and it's just, uh, it's just so natural to put everything around us to be happening to us instead of like, Oh, how is this impacting um, the person next to me or like caring about our neighbor? So that part I think is natural, but I don't know that actually loving ourselves is natural because Jesus came and, disrupted what love was and shifted that and I think it's completely different than what we view as love in a shallow self-centered way that isn't the same thing I'm gonna read you Proverbs 19 8 and I think this verse could be read a couple different ways Uh, it says the one who acquires good sense loves himself one who safeguards understanding finds success. So the one who acquires good sense loves himself. So maybe you love yourself, therefore you acquire good sense. Or you, one way that you show that you love yourself is to acquire good sense. Either way, there's nothing about this verse that's condemning loving yourself. It's it's a good thing. And then Ephesians 5 tells us that um, not we haven't rejected our own body, not one 
like not one person has um, talking about marriage, um, but that we feed and care for or nourish and cherish our bodies and showing how we can do that for other people, almost using the example of how well do you care for yourself and then turn around and you can care for someone else too. So, um, and then first John three, one is really, I love it because just the language, I want to make sure I get it right. Uh, see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called God's children. Like he lavishes that love on us. And if we feel like we are not worthy of that love or worthy of loving ourselves and showing ourselves that care and like that feels weird because we know we're broken or, you know, we're broken and we might not be deserving of it. God almighty has chosen to love us. And that's a, that's a big deal. Like he is holy and he is just, and he can look past our imperfections and our uh, mistakes and our flaws and love us. And if he can do that, I think we can do that too. Um, Not that we're perfect like he is, but if he can look past those things as all-knowing and all-powerful being, the source that he is, we can do the same thing for ourselves. And have you guys heard Andrew Peterson's song, Be Kind to Yourself? No. It's so good. Uh, One of the lines he says, um, you've got to learn to love, learn to love your enemies too. And sometimes we feel like I'm my own worst enemy, which I actually don't agree with that statement, but it can feel like, why is my, why is my mind playing these games with me right now? Why do I have this anxiety It or we're s- struggling with thoughts that we know are irrational and trying to get over them. And we feel like just in this fight with our own brains like stop it. Uh, we can love even what is feels like it's against us, or when we are um, when we do mess up because we do. You know, I'm not here to say that we're got this all figured out, uh, but when we do, we can love ourselves well. Go check out "Be Kind to Yourself" by Andrew Peterson. It's really good. Um, So another thing, I don't think Jesus put himself last. Sometimes like, you know, the acronym Jesus first, other second, yourself last. We see that Jesus did prioritize. um, Like, I think his number one thing was being alone and his relationship with the father. If that hadn't been number one, he would have just been continually swept up in the, in the multitudes, in the disciples, but he intentionally carved out that space to be alone with the father. And then he, he did put other people before himself. Absolutely. He sacrificed. He, well, obviously he sacrificed his life, but um, in the desert, 
he was tempted with food and with um, prestige and honor. And he rejected those things um, for our good, for our benefit. Uh, but when I say I don't think Jesus put himself last, if you look at how he, like the example that comes to mind is when the disciples are walking through the field and they um, pick some corn and begin to eat it. And the Pharisees are like, you can't do that. It's the Sabbath day. Or um, was that the Sabbath day or that they ate with uh, washing their hands? Either one. It's not like yeah. <laughs> Jesus was like, okay, your opinion matters just as much as everybody else's. And I'm going to, I'm going to allow you just as much um, clout and influence in my life. They, they were still like after the disciples needs. So depending on, it's not like we just give everybody free access and free um, influence on our lives and our decisions. I think that's really interesting. Just that Jesus didn't like, okay, I'm the bottom, bottom, bottom of the, and everybody else's opinion matters more. He knew where he knew where to draw the line for, I need time alone with my father or your opinion doesn't really matter in this situation and rebuked them. Let me see. Um, so first John 419, this one has stood out to me when I started reading, not the KJV. Because in the KJV, it says, we love him because he first loved us. In other translations, like the CSB that I have, it says, we love because he first loved us. All love flows from him. His love is completely different and does completely shift the narrative and the way that we see things. It flips, it's on, it flips it on its head. So it's not just that we are able to love him because he loved us. We are able to love because he loved us. True love comes from God. And uh, then we can love who God has made us to be. And we can get out of the comparison trap and go, so-and-so has got it so much more figured out than me or God, or so-and-so has this so much better than me or so-and-so doesn't have the um, these challenges or these struggles, we can just be grateful for exactly who God has made us to be. And First Timothy 4.12, um, he's admonished not to be uh, ashamed of his, his youth. And we can even be thankful for our age and where we are at in our life in the stage that we're at without despising um, what God is trying to work in us in that specific season or moment. And then just ending with First uh, Corinthians 13, of course, just challenging us to remember what love actually is. Because uh, then we then we can recognize that it that it isn't selfish. Um, Mm -hmm. 
I don't know why I wrote down First Peter four eight. <laughs> but First Corinthians thirteen reminds us that love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all thing, things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. So when we use that as the guidepost and God completely disrupting what love is and teaching us what love is, we can demonstrate that to others well and to ourselves well. And I don't, and there doesn't have to be this um, false dichotomy of either we choose to love ourselves or we love others. Um, of course there's self-sacrifice, but there, there should be enough love to love yourself, have grace for yourself and love others well. And then I forgot to jot this down, but when we are, um, some of the people who have, I could say, hurt me over the years, like through life or like the way they pop off is just like, whoa, I realize that they are not secure in themselves and they have issues like they have the, like, I think you're projecting or you, you feel like you have to get on top of me for not being organized or whatever when actually you're just really stressy because you need to be really organized. And I do the same thing to other people. So when we are secure and love ourselves well, I think it's actually a way we can love other people better when we're, when we're self-aware. Um, Cause if we're not self-aware, just kind of go through life. Um, not a, not paying attention to who we're hurting and who we're impacting and affecting with our, um, attitudes <laughs> that may be stemming from our own self-irritation that we're projecting onto other people. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Abundant Grace Podcast. I would love it if you would share this episode with a friend so that they can hear this encouragement and be empowered in their walk with Jesus as well. It would also mean the world to me if you would leave a rating and review on Apple for the Abundant Grace podcast. It really does make a world of difference in getting this podcast into other people's ears so they can be equipped in their relationship with God as well. As always, I would love to hear your thoughts on this week's episode. You can find me hanging out on Instagram, Emily dot abundant grace or you can send me an email hello at emily k lewis.com that's emily the letter k l o u i s.com and until next week remember that god's grace abounds and won't ever run out